Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Like the wallpaper sticks to the wall. Like the sea shark clings to the sea. Like you'll never get rid of your shadow Frank, you'll never get rid of me Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello, I'm back already. (laughs) Yeah, hot off of our Dragged Across Concrete review. Which you can hear right now on our podcast feed, which we recorded not two days ago. We also have triumphant return of Bill Graham. Woo! I'm back, bitches. <laughs> Did you ever find the time to watch Dragged Across Concrete, or are you still Hell in the dark? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. And today to talk about us, the newest film from Jordan Peele, we have Juan Barkin. Hey there. <laughs> Hello, Juan. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, um, God, I am a very tired gay person who writes about movies for Miami New Times and uh, occasionally runs a film series out here that uh, pairs drag performances and... Uh, queer cinema called flaming classics which uh, also has a fair amount of essays online on flamingclassics.com uh, by different writers who are queer writing about queer movies uh and yeah that's me <laughs> awesome. how did you feel about the jumpsuits in this movie uh, i loved everything about them i mean the fact like anything that loosely references like good old music videos uh i mean although i guess it's vaguely touchy to discuss michael jackson in general but like those sure. that that video is just so damn good i can't <laughs> come on there are um, limits to cancel culture yes there there has to be <laughs> we could also just say that we were thinking of missy elliott too <laughs> true absolutely oh, oh there, you go. there you go or you know per- perhaps the apparatus which created those red jumpsuits no, that joke's not going to oh, land. No. That's oh, what- God. <laughs> <laughs> like, your delivery was fine, but, like, what were, you, what, what were you hoping for there? I don't know. Are people a fan of Red Jumpsuit Apparatus? I just have no clue. I think I can name one song by them. Yeah, they got that, you know, that one. Down? Is that is that right? Yeah. I don't know. That came out when I was in high school, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Great. Well, let's move on from this failed joke and this running gag. And uh, let's talk about uh, some of the stuff we got to get through before we can get to our review. So, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us your thoughts and opinions, podcast at filmstage.com. And, of course, go on iTunes. Give us a comment and a rating. Not only that, but you can become a patron of this show by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show. For this little $1 an episode, you help us to create wonderful more, uh, wonderful more, more wonderful content, such as our classic reviews. You also get access to our Slack channel and first entry into our movie raffles. 
in our Denzel series that will obviously continue forever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're talking about the Equalizer next. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we had like another one lined up that we were talking about doing? Was it another Tony Scott film? Was it Man on Fire? It might have been Man on Fire. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, sweet. That'll give me a chance to talk about Juiced, that techno song that Tony Scott got really into for a while. <laughs> Anyway, if you don't understand that stupid in-joke, go listen to our classic episodes, which are brought to you by our patrons, and go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow to become one of them. In addition, as always, we are brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. Every day, MUBI's wonderful curators give you a brand new film to watch that you can enjoy on your smart TV, your computer, your phone if you're a monster, and... We got some great stuff coming from them. For Well, pff, I say great stuff, but then I'm going to talk about a Quentin Depew film. So <laughs> this is one of the first films I think we talked about. It's called Reality. And, you know, Quentin Depew. He's a guy. It is on movie right now. So check it out. Reality is the rubber filmmaker. Yes, he yeah. is the rubber filmmaker. Reality is so good, by the way. Agree yeah. to disagree. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that movie. I love that I, movie. Wait, wait, Phil, you love reality? Yeah. Yeah. I think I even fucking own that movie. I don't know why this is shocking to me, but it is. I will fully go to bat for most of his movies, I think. I actually just figured it out. I know why Bill likes reality. It is 87 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pretty good musician, too. I know him as a musician. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're into the Yakuza, the film of the day today is Blind Woman's Curse. I watched that about a week ago. What did you think? It's it's pretty weird. I mean, it's kind of in line with something like Lady Snowblood, uh, which it mentions in the blurb. But it's uh, there's a scene in the middle that takes place at a uh, kind of at a theater that's just totally nightmarish and just totally seems separated from the rest of the movie and i pretty sure i had a nightmare about it so yeah it's it's pretty good it's a weird very like scattered movie but it looks very nice and uh meiko kaji is fantastic absolutely all right well if you want to have nightmares like michael snydell has nightmares you can go to mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial of mubi Again, that is M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage. And that gets us through all the upfront housekeeping. And now we are free to talk about Us, the newest film from writer-director Jordan Peele. This movie stars Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke. And here is the trailer. Can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? Crawdaddy! Daddy! Ah, ah. He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me. I'll keep you safe. All right, that is a clip of the trailer for us, the newest film from writer-director Jordan Peele, out in theaters now. This movie is about a family of four that goes on a beach vacation and is menaced 
by otherworldly dark doppelgangers of themselves. This is going to be one of those movies where what you consider a spoiler may be different from what we consider a spoiler. So I'd like to begin, as we sometimes do, with a simple one word, yes or no answer. Should people go see us? Juan, why don't you kick us off? Uh, Yes. Absolutely, right. yes. Bill Graham. Run to the theater. That is not one word. <laughs> Michael Snydell, your turn to try. Yeah. All right, good. Uh, I will also say, yeah. <laughs> so, if you were just here to get that information, you can leave now. For everyone else, we're going to have our spoiler-free conversation and then kick on into spoilers, which I assume will be the bulk of this episode. I so, just want to say, I, I hate the idea that someone would listen to the podcast intro and then would stay for that and just be like, oh, you know what? I got what I need. I, I'm glad I listened to this week's episode. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got on. the movie maybe, code, you know, and now I, I know that they maybe, liked us and I should see it and now I'm done. <laughs> maybe what they do is they have it downloaded. They're like, I just need to make sure right before I go see this movie that everybody's in agreement. Yep, everybody's in agreement. Okay, and now I'm going to pur- purchase the tickets and go to the movie. Right? What if, maybe. What if that's oh, just how we opened the episode instead of me saying like, Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Movie. We just what? say yes. Just, yeah, without any context, just yes or no. Do it. We'll try that. We'll try that next week when we talk about Dumbo. I literally don't know what we're talking about next week. No, we're not talking about Dumbo. Beach, beach bum, maybe? I don't know. It's beach bum. We'll figure it out. Anyway. Let's get let's- ready to Dumbo. I can't wait. I can't I wait. Hate- I have never been more excited for anything in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I get to see that movie in two days. Um, All right. So guess first one. Why don't you kick us off with your basic all around nutshell review of us? Oh, man, that's that's tough. That's a that's a lot to throw on me. Um, Can I just read what I (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you have a review you'd like to read, you could just do that. I will totally shamelessly self do that yeah that's <laughs> um oh my god how do i how do i start um huh okay so um i don't know i think us is a more it's a messier it's a more ambitious it's a kind of wild leaps through narrative and logic kind of movie uh which is exactly the kind of thing i like that you know like richard kelly does a whole lot of or used to do a whole lot of before he stopped making movies um but it is has four great performances uh more than four frankly uh but the central four are excellent lupita nyong'o kind of brings everything together really beautifully as two different distinct characters who each have their own amazing backgrounds and weirdly deep histories. <laughs> um, it's like, it's hard not to talk about literally everything about this movie <laughs> while talking about it. Um, I don't know. It's just a really fun horror movie that i could probably watch over and over again and i actually just watched again a few hours ago and loved it even more all right michael snydell 
Yeah, I just I had a really good time with this. I just want to say that up front before we get mired in conversations about the plot, which is almost <laughs> guaranteed. Um, and, and yeah, like this is uh, if rewatch I rewatched Get Out today, and that's that is a very clean movie compared to this. Like the storytelling is cleaner. the The themes are followed through in pretty coherent ways. Like. The only real thing that identifies Get Out as a debut is just uh, the kind of imbalance between humor and, and horror, in, in my opinion. This is a is a much bigger swing, kind of as Juan was alluding to. And uh, in all respects, that's kind of fascinating to me. I, I mean, I think at this point, Jordan Peele is a filmmaker. His ability to create lingering images um, – kind of compensates for some of his overreach with narrative and his like just uh, endless curiosity about so many themes. I, I think it's both a problem and a huge testament to the film that at different points that you can uh, – there are a lot of different metaphors <laughs> that you can apply to this film. So I, I, again, like – I, I'm not in any way going to say that this is totally coherent, but as a, as a piece of craft, the, the main actors are fantastic. Winston Duke, you know, he's been coming up for a while and, you know, I guess sort of had a breakout in Black Panther, but he is so good and kind of a dorky. I, I'm sorry. I said sorta. <laughs> okay. A breakout in Black Panther. Then um, I, unfortunately I'm not sure whether I've seen anything seen anything else uh point being though he was really kind of the mvp for me in this just because i thought he was such a convincing dorky dad in ways that not only was he funny and knew all the really embarrassing corny things to say but i loved the body language he had with his wife like just the kind of uh imbal or like back and forth seesawing between like um wanting to protect his family and also holding back wanting to uh try to understand things and so it's just like this is just a really emotionally intelligent film that also potentially doesn't make sense but i had a really good time with it so i don't really want to fight about it it's <laughs> <laughs> michael preemptive peacekeeper yeah <laughs> all right bill graham your thoughts on us uh, I really, really dug this film. I think one of the highlights is the uh, the soundtrack and the way they weave in. Uh, I got five on it. Uh, you know, I thought, oh, that's a nice touch in the trailer that they did. No, it's in the fucking movie. And I was like, yes. So I enjoyed that so much. Um, How Inception used um, Edith Piaf. This sure. movie yeah. uses I got five on it. Sure. Um, I think I think this film is definitely ambitious for him to follow up so closely after Get Up or Get Out, uh, Get Get Up, uh, Get Out with this is truly impressive. I think you know uh, 
he's been compared to a lot of uh, recent kind of horror filmmakers, and I think Carpenter is definitely someone that he's he's kind of playing around with. Um, he's got a lot of social commentary going on in this one. Uh, you know, if you saw Get Out, obviously that had a lot to go with it as well, to the point where some people thought maybe it was more social commentary than horror, which is, you know, whatever, sure. Uh, but... I really, really enjoyed this film. I enjoyed the performances immensely. I think this film really is a big swing. I think for the most part, it hits everything that it wants to try to do. I think there's a lot of narrative complications that a lot of people will try and suss out and try and make sense of, but I don't think that they necessarily have to make a whole lot of sense. I don't think some of the plot machinations have to make sense. I think overall this film works in the ways that it really desires to and gets that conversation kind of going about like what does it all mean and uh, the conversation about the other. And, you know, if you want to think that this mean is having comments about a two-party system or you know the people that have money and the people that don't have money and whatever else you want to have a conversation about cool like then the film is fucking successful if you're if you're kind of going down that route um i think yeah i i was really impressed with how much fun I had with this and how legitimately scary some moments are and how he balances that scariness with also like just the sheer like he's he's taking the horror tropes and going down that route and then sometimes making a left turn and sometimes making the the obvious right. And I think he balances that exceptionally well. He's he's a very talented filmmaker already to this point. And I think this one shows a lot more visual flair. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot to chew on in this film. I, I just have to say between Split and uh, – or I'm sorry, between Glass and uh, Us this year, Michael Gialak is just doing fantastic cinematography this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This movie – Looks really good. Um, as for my thoughts, <clears throat> I wrote the review of this movie for thefilmstage.com. I don't know why I'm pausing like people are just going to guess- swap over and read it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't have to talk because I already wrote down my thoughts. <laughs> Here's a pop-up on your screen if you would like to follow. Here's a 20-minute break so you can find and read that in between doing other things in your life. So... I think that this movie has great performances, um, pretty snappy direction, uh, pretty pop like corn, good writing. And, um, I think that beyond that, I, I feel like it's a mess. I feel like it's a, <laughs> a shambling, shaggy, weird mess. I feel like moment to moment, the story and the tone doesn't hang together as well as it should. Get out had a kind of, like laughing as you like walk past a graveyard kind of feel to it. And this movie just kind of careens from one thing to the other so that like in the scene to scene moments, you're having a good time. But then you're like, what the, who, like, what are the choices being made? Why are these people doing these things? What's going on? And 
I don't know. Like it, it's it's still fun. Like I still sat there in the theater and enjoyed myself. But then when the movie ended, I was like a little annoyed that I had that I had like invested so much time in it for that to be it. And I I left the theater at the critic screening just thinking about like oh god like in four days. I'm not going to be able to get away from articles and think pieces about what this all means. And I just like, I don't know if I need that in my life. And I don't even know if the, like really looking into it, if it's going to hang together. So I was, I was concerned. I, I was also correct because I keep seeing articles and stuff saying this is like the movie of our time. It's the best horror movie ever. It says so much about the country and blah, blah, blah. And I think for me, like, it just can't get beyond being a series of, like, well-constructed scenes that only exist as they're playing and don't hang together in any meaningful, like, narrative or thematic or plot way. But I still gave it a fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So, (laughs) because there's, like, because it doesn't suck. Like, it's not a boring or bad made film i just like it's just felt real episodic to me and i think uh, as we talk about the plot you will get into that kind of picaresque type of feeling that it has where like the only seeming continuity is like someone's limp but like i don't know i don't know i'm gonna be the one who sounds the most negative on this film but like i would still suggest that like people go out and see it because it's a fun time at the movies and if you happen to get something more than that out of it, more power to you. Cool. So that's that's where I'm at. All right. Yeah. So here's a question. Do we feel like we can talk about this movie in a meaningful kind of way without just getting into spoilers? Like, do we feel like... Because we're all no, like fuck no, fuck positive that. on the know. performances. I, I honestly, I I don't have any reason to discuss this without this like, like a fucking, lot of energy. Just, yeah. yeah, just let's just fucking jump in. Especially it. Like, because like no one's disagreeing about any of the non-spoiler elements. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Sure. We yeah. could all just say like who we think is our MVP of the whole movie. Well, I no, I am curious. Real quick, before we get into spoilers. No, that's spoiler. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'm like, wait, wait, that's not in trailers. Okay. <laughs> Tim Heidecker's kimono. Yes or no? <laughs> uh, God, all right. him, him being annoyed about having to get up to look. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was going to make a joke about that, oh, but um, okay. it's also a spoiler. So yeah, screw it. Let's just uh, jump into spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for us. I'm just assuming that everyone who's who's listening right now has actually seen this movie, so we don't have to do the thing where we kind of like suss out the plot just so that people can follow along. So I'm just curious, how many of you knew four minutes into the movie that the girls had switched places when she enters that shaman place? Yeah. Like... (laughs) That I, was- didn't. <laughs> I didn't, but I, I picked up on a lot of that kind of body language and like her interaction. Um, as soon as she becomes, uh, I'll, I'll call her boss ass bitch. As soon as she becomes that, <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, whoa, okay, that's a change from being like tormented and terrorized 
of like this whole location and the idea of them to like all of a sudden like standing up and just like wreaking havoc on these on these doppelgangers i was just like oh and then she makes a noise at one point that i was just like oh no something's not right here and so i was just like okay yeah she she got swapped so i was just like for me the the issue was uh, it was so obvious from the scene where they're talking about her having ptsd onward which again is like five to seven minutes into the movie that Mm -hmm. i was like i don't i don't like i don't know what i'm supposed to be getting from this with you withholding it from me and there was a moment at the end where i was like oh maybe i'm just wrong and maybe the movie very cleverly like sets up that idea but never pays it off i don't know if it's going to be something like the spinning top at the end of inception where people are going to be like so do you think like that they were but then it like confirms it and i was just like that's not a good final twist because i've literally been waiting for it this whole goddamn time and now all of my assumptions about the themes and meanings behind this movie are thrown into question as well. That's exactly how I felt the first time I watched the movie, though, which is what angered me so much about how especially the speech she gives underground in that like beautiful split diopter. It's like she there's too many concrete words in there that kind mm-hmm. of throw off the concept of like, um, you know, is she actually the woman from down here or is she not? And I hated, like, I was deeply, deeply angered by that last shot because I was like, <laughs> okay, well, that was so unnecessary. Why didn't you just leave me guessing whether or not she was in a slightly more interesting and again, less concrete way because those two things kind of felt like they were at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, on rewatch, like, it didn't feel as annoying, but it's still like one of those, like, if we start like doing like a whole like cinema sins kind of thing, it's like you what could a break down phrase, this movie. <laughs> I know, but like you could break this movie down into like its tiniest parts and find a whole lot of issues. But I'm kind of willing to overlook like those narrative leaps just because like I do think rewatching it, seeing how many little like ticks and beats in her performance are very or like even in like just her phrasing like her husband saying like um or her saying i don't feel like myself and her husband saying uh i think you look like yourself is just mm-hmm. like oh like there's so many little tiny things throughout that i'm like okay i can fully buy even though i knew this was going to happen even though i feel slightly betrayed by the fact that like i thought this wasn't going to happen i can buy it right it was more. one of those it's the type of twist that i dread is coming like when I'm watching like, when I'm watching a movie and I'm like, please don't have them all be the same person. For God's sakes, like this can't be a multiple personality thing. Please don't like, do that, that to me. Sure. Oh my god. Um Goodnight Mommy. Goodnight Mommy from like the first two minutes yeah. of the movie, I knew it was going to happen. And it just confirmed it. And that was like one of those cases where nothing in the movie makes up for that fact <laughs> for me. There's a big French horror film that does that as well, that I don't want to say the name of. Uh, to spoil it but yeah that's okay that's a lousy it's a lousy twist that's out there a lot here's the i i don't think that's like the big twist for me in this film like that she is 
red and red is her. Yeah. Like I think I think that's that's kind of an obvious thing, especially by the time you get towards that final final act. Like I think it's so obvious by that point. But that then why is it like aesthetically played like a twist, played, I guess, is my yeah. issue. I, I, look, it, I mean, it, did did Jordan Peele think that that was the big twist? Maybe, but I think he's just mainly confirming it and going through the emotional arc of what that character is going through, and us seeing that final battle on on screen is very emotional because we don't know who we're really supposed to be rooting for in that scene because we've been spending so much time with, I guess. Adelaide or Red at that point that we're like okay so am I supposed to root for either of these characters either one of them is going to murder the other one well I didn't have a problem with that because her son yeah I'm going to root for the person whose like family was menaced you know like I don't care why it was done like I still have spent a certain amount of time with this family and gotten to like them a lot and I don't want anything to happen to them. So, well, like, do you, but do you think that Red at that point would, or I guess Adelaide would at that point gone back up and then terrorized her family? Or do you think that she would have tried to work her way back in? I'm sorry. I don't understand your question. <laughs> okay. But- so Adelaide is fighting Red. Red yes. is the one that swapped with her when she was young, right? So let's 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 even this up a bit white shirt is fighting uh red jumpsuit (laughs) correct okay and you're asking if i think that if red jumpsuit had won would she have then gone back up and finished off the rest of the family no i said worked her way back into the family oh i don't think so i don't think that's what she wants i think she wants them all dead hmm I don't know if she wants them all dead after Mm -hmm. all of her side has been killed, but I also don't think she would have tried to assimilate into the family either. I mean, I'm I'm curious what she would have done at that point. I think I think there's certainly the 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 chain of hands across America. (laughs) I think I think there's certainly an opportunity to have a discussion about like what what her ultimate end goal beyond that would have been. You know, if she had been able to outduel her doppelganger like well, i think i she, think that's interesting so it is an interesting yeah. question because she did steal her son and seemed to sure. be meaning to keep him mm-hmm. and she was doing that why because she knew that adelaide or red would would pursue oh, without yeah. without the others right like I mean, just look at at the process that she went through just to get to her, and you're just like, yeah, they like <laughs> people would have gotten lost, or they would have just been like, no, fuck that, like we've we've gone through so much, like we killed our others, like you need to do your job now, you know? It's like okay, so yeah, that uh, is something that I hadn't know. occurred to me that she sort of abandons the plan, mm-hmm. but I guess like mm-hmm. I, so. <clears throat> Again, we don't want to get too cinema sinzy about this. Well, like, but I <laughs> here's it might be better than to not talk about like mechanics. Like, I've already seen some people being like, you know, how did they eat rabbits and how are they so athletic? Right, they I all should have died of salmonella by now. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I think it's <laughs> no, potentially more productive to talk about 
the ways that the metaphor you know like muddles itself like it's, oh, absolutely when you sit because at certain times it seems like social mobility at certain times it seems like you know race at certain times it seems like uh, the poor but then there's also that they're violent as well so then you then that does like feed into the you know the dark side of our personality that type of like the problem is like it i, I i'm not I, this is not my thought, but I thought it was really smart. The, uh, James Slaymaker on uh, Twitter uh, said that where Get Out used horror tropes to enhance its thesis, um, Us almost uses horror tropes to undermine it. Because every time that it could continue on with its actual metaphor, it has to make an action scene or thriller scene. So, you know, you'll get certain parts of the family that are violent for no reason other than because it makes a really good horror scene. And I, I think that's the stuff that really, that really bothers me more than any of like the narrative mechanics is that like, I, I don't understand what message I'm supposed to take away uh, or, 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 or whether any of that follows any kind of, you know, emotional logic. One, as the person who has now seen it twice. <laughs> Maybe I should have uh, just read this to you. No, yeah. I think that's actually really fair. Um, I mean, like, obviously, Get Out has a very clean-cut metaphor for what it's trying to do. And I think Us kind of throws a lot at the wall to see what sticks. And some of those ideas are kind of contradictory. Like, it just kind of everything kind of jumps over each other in the weirdest way. And like you have, uh, I mean, hmm. you could dive into the idea that like each of these women has assimilated into the community that they have been forced into, or that have one has pulled herself into one has forced, have been forced into. And it's kind of like, is she, uh, <laughs> It's so hard to talk about this movie. Uh, no, I'm just trying to make actual sense. So, <laughs> like, I mean, we were trying to decide, like, who, like, earlier we were talking about, like, who we would be rooting for in this kind of situation. And it kind of ends up boiling down to the question, like, do we think either one of these two women cares about the humanity of anyone that is around them except for their own or, like, those clothes? Like, do we think that uh red jumpsuit has any interest in those around her or is she entirely out for herself or is uh adelaide or i guess white shirt um is she obviously she cares about her family she is there for her son but she's also there for herself i mean can if we were to take this as a film about like bringing yourself up the ladder of privilege and like, you know, being this person, like, are we okay with this woman who has literally sacrificed or is willing to kill the poor, like, God damn, it's like the poor people <laughs> she used to know so that she is never exposed as a poor person herself. But that's now that the thing, she, she has the riches of life. They are, they are like part of her class, but she didn't know yeah. them. And so like, I have, I have a number of issues with the themes of this movie just because of the mechanics involved, which make it 
very difficult to to graft any real world politics onto to the point that it feels almost like trolling like like it's like i i think i've seen two different reviews reference it but it did make me think a lot of like room 237 the uh the documentary wherein they just have a bunch of conspiracy theorists talking about what the shining means and Mm -hmm. it felt like this movie was like what if i could reverse engineer a film that will make people think all that stuff yeah, and like, I what I can I do too. that will create the biggest amount of of varying interpretations? And so, it's like a a pitch meeting gone wrong, where it's like, all right, Get Out was fantastic. What's your next idea? Uh, a family Wait, is is menaced by their own doppelgangers. Awesome, cool, creepy. We love it. Questions: Why are there doppelgangers? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought of it that far. Uh, government cloning. Oh, okay. Why did the government do that? Something about souls and controlling the populace. It's like, oh, interesting. All right. So, like, are they all naked? It's like, no, they're all in red jumpsuits. Um, And they also have scissors because, you know, you use scissors to cut things apart. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's really good. All right. You can make this movie. But, like, also rabbits. I don't know where rabbits came in the pitch. But it's like, none of it, none of it to me really makes a lot of sense because even if you wanted to make this movie in your own mind about class struggle or like the the bodies that america has been built on of like the people that it's kind of plowed under you've you still got this weird kind of thing where they're violent they're super fucking (laughs) violent they're slaughtering people with like glee and 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 it's all happened because one of them choked out and chained up her other world equivalent and stole her life and so you're not even having the rebellion being led by someone who was a part of them from the beginning and got fed up you've basically got like avatar going on where an outsider gets brought in and is like all right i can help you beat the people who i used to be a part of and so I don't know if what anything that I just said makes sense, and I don't know how to get out of this cul-de-sac that I've built L- for myself me, rhetorically. Me, but I, that's just how I'm feeling. Like that's why I can't. I think, and also Juan, maybe why you have like sometimes trouble like finding purchase in this movie in order to be able to talk about it like cleanly because it's just there's so much that we know, there's so much that we don't know, and there's so many different twists and turns that it almost feels like there can't be a single meaningful theme that was meant to be given to us because like if that was the case it would have been made simpler we have to speculate about so many fundamental things yeah so so you are coming from it from the point that jordan peele knew that he was making a confusing movie and then didn't didn't actually have any like through line i think so I don't know. Like, well, I think I, he has too many through lines. That's, that's the, the other problem. thing. Like, I think that's where I'm at. I think that he had a lot of great ideas and he put them all into one movie and then couldn't make them connect, but was fine with it because, you know, it, it doesn't always have to connect. <laughs> mm-hmm. People are going to find something. <laughs> hmm. So for me, I think the big twist for this film happens I guess around the hour mark when the other doubles are introduced. Okay. Um, 
I think that's the big twist of the movie, and I think that's the thing that the trailers hide really fucking well, and I think that's that's what kind of expands and, and really kicks this door open to becoming something more than just, you know, there's there's maybe sort of like doppelgangers out there, but n- no, no, like there's literally like every single person has one. Like it's not just for this family, and it's not just some kind of weird like tethered system it's it's fucking everybody and like that's that's what really kind of expanded this open for me and i think what's really interesting is i've i've heard some people talk about the hands across america and how little sense it kind of makes and and all of this stuff but from where i'm coming from i think at this point adelaide has like she's what like six or seven maybe eight at that point in time she's got the shirt and that's about all she has as far as like what tethers her to the real world or or the upstairs or whatever you want to call this right and i think what she basically realized was i can i am incapable of teaching these people down here a language or any other form of communication really besides kind of grunts and groans. And if I want to escape this place, I have to lead a mass rebellion and I have to do it through some kind but of, does she like, I, uh, Brian, they're all outside. I, no, no. But what I, <laughs> what, I know that she does lead a mass rebellion. I'm curious if she needs to, because again, as you said, they're all outside. Like, wait, what? There, there wasn't like a jailbreak. They didn't have to figure out a code. Like her double was able to get her because her double was able to go outside. It seems as though the only thing keeping them in these tunnels is mm-hmm. the fact that they are tethered and they don't, they don't have a will of their own initially. Until she wakes them up through a very bad ballet performance. And Mm -hmm. she could have escaped, it seems. Like, I don't think there was a mechanism keeping her there. I don't know. I don't know. But, I I mean, that's that's not what I'm really interested in. What I'm interested in is is why... She had to escape by doing this rebellion. I don't believe that that was her only option. And that throws the theme into question. I, I don't think I said that. That's the only way that she could escape. But either way, that's not what I meant. Um, I meant that for her to get all of these people out of there to basically make a statement, I guess, in some way was to do this hands across America thing. And that's what she had images of on her shirt. That's what she could kind of utilize to kind of get them. And that's why they all wear the red jumpsuits. Like where the fuck do they get the red jumpsuits? I don't know, man. Like I I don't, I don't give that much of a shit, but perhaps there was some kind of apparatus, which made all the jumpsuits for them. (laughs) Oh Jesus. Second time. (laughs) Just going to keep trying that. yeah, Yeah. Uh, but so I think I think what's so interesting is that she used that kind of mechanism to help all of them escape. And then that's why they kind of lead this charge. And that's why it's such a simpleton kind of thing. Like, like, really, you're going to put in like uh, fr- from what I heard today and I was listening to a podcast. Maybe it was today. Maybe it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Um that basically the hands across America thing was not a thing that was very successful. It was kind of, you know, uh, it was, it was a yeah, it was, it was widely like 
uh, populized and everything like that. Like they tried to get the word out there and it's just not a thing that really happens. Like, and from what I, what I was told was basically like, it's kind of a nonsense like idea that a, a bunch of strangers would all get together and like lock arms and like make this powerful statement. And it's like, that's a very, very weird world that you live in that you think that like a bunch of random strangers would all like decide on one day to go do that. Like we've seen powerful movements before, but for this that to happen, <laughs> yeah, that, that's and and especially at, in 1986 or somewhere around that time period, it's like really you think you think that organization is going to happen at that time? Like man. You know, well, I can't imagine trying it, to pull that off now. It kind like, of worked. The issue was though that like they they basically said like six million people are going to join hands because if you take six million, multiply it by four feet, that's about like across America. But clearly, we can't literally do that. So yeah, they just was, like had different places, and and like New England was pissed off that they weren't included. Sure. They put like, livestock oh. when they didn't have enough people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then so, they made like, a bunch of money, but like they only were able to give so much of it to actual charity because sure. the whole thing was so stupidly expensive. Yeah. yeah. I think they raised like 34 million and only distributed. I think it was like 15. I thought it was 12. Wow. Okay. Somewhere it's, it's, it's less not great. than half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and that's, that's kind of what a lot of giant, uh, nonprofits kind of have a have a, a a narrow target miss ratio as well, where they're like, yeah, they you know the CEOs make billions of dollars, and it's like, hold on, you're a CEO of a of a nonprofit, and you make billions of dollars, like well, yeah, because payroll how does ain't profit, happen? baby. I know, I know, I hear it. it's, it's. Can so I wild. can but, I get us back on track a little bit? Yes, <laughs> yeah, please no, do, so, Michael. So. Like, I think, I think a lot of people have kind of honed in on, like, really? Like, Hands Across America? That's such a dumb idea. And I think, like, it's such a simple idea because it's such a unifying concept visually. And I think that's how right, she As the end of this movie it. proves. Yeah. And that's, that's what she's trying to pull off to kind of make a statement in a way. And my, my issue yeah. with that, Bill, is that I don't know what the statement is. Cause, like, if they had come up and, done that without murdering anyone then there would be like a whole oh my god like who are these people why do they look like us like we have to do something presently i'm just waiting for the national guard to show up and mow down all these people now that they've put away their scissors and are holding hands like the family <laughs> yeah. i was the expecting beach, that 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 helicopter shot to have like military helicopters and just like just an explosion yeah well that's the thing like you're wearing red clearly you're on the front line the beach like on the beach all those people don't react to seeing this family running around because clearly once you've killed your doppelganger you're done you Mm -hmm. get in line you hold hands you wait Kind what the hell of was of, the noise that you just? <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a a maybe kind of sorta noise because we do see someone get attacked while uh doing the cell phone footage and I don't think yeah, yeah. I don't think that person was a doppelganger. I, I don't know if we see very many no, other people sure. get get uh get killed that haven't 
are either already done their kind of mission and like killed their doppelgangers or like been the the young girl like she gets like basically like hey like what the hell are you doing jumping on my car let's let's talk about this in like a rough manner and she's <laughs> like yeah i got a knife i'm gonna stab you you know and it's like okay well i'll let that slide but my so i don't know so it's, my it's a, it is interesting <laughs> It's interesting, but that's kind of the problem that I'm having is that so much of this stuff is interesting and I don't know how much of it actually hangs together at the end of it. Well, if you like extend it to just how the clones function and start trying to break that down, you have some of them are seemingly completely like full of free will. Like you have um, the white family, basically like the second they finished killing their doppelgangers are just trying to kind of assimilate into becoming their others. Like uh, that shot of Elizabeth Moss putting sure. on makeup is mm-hmm. everything to me. Um, <laughs> like, and then plastic and, surgery as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She literally does plastic surgery to herself with the scissors. Like it is, but then you also have the opposite side of like uh, the son with his doppelganger is able to make him mirror himself, mm-hmm. which none of the others seem to have done that kind of thing whatsoever. Sure. Like it just there's no real consistency to how doppelgangers versus humans function in any capacity and like trying right. to break well, it like. I don't think any of them ever tried to do what his what the son did because I I think there is something interesting going on there for sure that like the tethering seems to be more prominent in the youngers versus the older you get maybe your doppelganger is able to break that tether just a tad but even even then I've I notice that sometimes uh the main family would move in a certain way and their doppelganger would move in the exact same way as well so i didn't notice that it was just the young boy but it was definitely most present and prominent with the young boy which is also interesting because he a wears the mask but also has like burns on his face and probably because the other kid like keeps fucking around with fire and so like downstairs (laughs) The kid probably fucked around with fire and just like lit his face on fire. And it was just like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. Like, well, so sorry about that, kid. That's, that's, this is all kind of folding into why this movie falls apart for me when we talk about it like this. Cause I, I can say, you know, the scene where the kids like take out the twins is like really fun and like mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And the scene where they're all sitting around talking and like, you know, have an argument about, Micro Machines and Home Alone is really funny. Yeah. And so like, and, and the whole, you know, the, the, I don't know if it's a remix or the rearrangement of I've got five on it while uh, Adelaide is fighting red is like really cool and evocative. My, my issues always circle back to, I don't think any of this makes sense. And like, we keep almost getting bogged down into doing the cinema Sinzy thing Sure. But, like, just taking it to its most bare-bones basic level, like, I don't know what to make of the fact that, like, for instance, she says, hey, um, you know, we were tethered 
And, you know, so I, you know, fell in love with your, the prince's shadow, you know, speaking about bad Winston Duke. But, like, she then later says that she awoke the tethered, like, while they were in, like, middle or high school. So, like, if she's been planning this for so long, why does she still have to move with her upper echelon counterpart? And, like, how, how do they have genetically identical children? And how, like, how does anything happen? And beyond that, what does any of it mean? And I think part of my bigger problem comes down to there is this Jeremiah 1111 that gets referenced. And anytime that anyone references a Bible quote in a movie, you know, <laughs> you, you got to know that it's an important thing. And here's what it says. <clears throat> you need, you need a different voice. So you better have a different voice when you do this right now. <laughs> Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring up evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Well, Is that good, Michael? I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> you friggin' made me do that. <laughs> so, like, what? Seven out of ten? Jeez. Oh, right. I mean, it was I like good. It. I just I didn't like it. Like it. <laughs> Would you like me to cue up a song that I can have under it? Uh, no. no <laughs> All right, great. Good. I'm good. So, here's my issue with that. Let's say that the movie really wants that to be a mission statement. Do you, f what, <laughs> what thematic reading of this movie do you feel m aligns with that statement? Because in my head, what I would think that it would be is you get rid of the government and the cloning and everything and just make it an apocalyptic moment of like, these people exist and they are just the worst possible outcome for everything you've done and so it's like your traumas and your like bad luck and everything come to like destroy you mm -hmm. but that's not what the movie does so like Juan what when you hear that you know not necessarily read by me in that way but just in general <laughs> and then you see this movie like especially because again you've watched it twice so you're the expert like do, what? I, I wouldn't call myself an expert <laughs> i don't think anyone can be an expert at this movie <laughs> so what's your what's your read on that like how do you how do you tether that bible verse to oh, this uh this movie? <laughs> wow uh, at least and it you're wasn't criticizing a... jordan peele jesus christ <laughs> yeah, that hurts my soul oh. at least it wasn't another red jumpsuit apparatus joke yet yeah, you still said it <laughs> <laughs> um you know, it's, I hate saying like, it's hard to shove, like, I think it's harder to shove the Bible quote in there than it is like the government stuff, because at least the government stuff functions on like, yes, it's like a little ridiculous, but it also functions on the same level that like, I think the Twilight Zone does, which I think this movie could be like three great Twilight Zone episodes that are separate. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like, sure. I mean, Jordan Peele in general is like the perfect person to make these things. But um, someone should really have him do that. I know, know right? I, love I haven't CBS been given All this guy access. a Twilight Zone reboot yet. <laughs> <laughs> the good fight. The good fight. I'm telling everyone fight. to watch it. So good. Yes, I will. Do, I will absolutely back you up on that. <laughs> um, but Baransky like heads. <laughs> oh, I do, but listen, I'll go watch Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again again. Uh, 
Now that is a crazy movie. I can talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about the logic of that movie. Uh, <laughs> There's some weird Jesus stuff in there, Brian. Really? What Bible quote do they do? Uh, the Meryl Streep Bible quote. <laughs> oh, okay. I was about to say, is it Job 35, 13? Surely God does not listen to empty pleas and the Almighty does not take note of it. Jesus Christ. That was way too prepared. Uh, Jeez. I would, uh, this is completely off topic, but I think it's funny. I would love to create a YouTube video channel and it would just be putting like crazy fucking Bible quotes at the beginning of movies. Pointless, nonsensical Bible quotes just to that, see what it does to the what, opening. That's what uh, Pulp Fiction does, right? Is that how it opens? That, the Tree of Life does it. But it's like thematically relevant. I'm still curious. Wait, all right. So Juan, when when hearing that Bible quote and seeing this movie twice, like you said, the government stuff makes more sense, and I sort of agree. Like without the Bible quote, the government stuff seems more peppered in throughout the movie than the Bible quote outside of just like harping on the eleven eleven. Because the Bible quote itself is never actually said in the movie, and I don't think there's actually any real religious <laughs> exploration in this whatsoever <laughs> like it's i mean outside of just like i mean are we giving up our morals when we attempt to like defend our right to live i guess uh <laughs> i feel like everything i say in this entire time is just going to be like ended on i guess because <laughs> there is really no fair way to just Con- like again concretely discuss anything but i do think like i mean the stuff with the government i mean it opens with like uh that whole thing about uh how there's a bunch of tunnels underground and many have no purpose like many have no known purpose at all i think that quote alone kind of prepares speaks. you <laughs> yeah like i don't i don't think like if the tunnels themselves don't have a known purpose why should the people who exist within them have a known purpose? And like, mm-hmm. is giving someone is telling someone that they have a purpose enough to make them buy into that purpose. And like, like, I mean, is us getting or telling, um, God damn it. Is Lupita Nyong'o telling everyone in the underground, like you have X purpose, you can escape. Let's just say to tie in the Bible quote, um, like you shall be able to escape. Is that enough to actually make them have some kind of real purpose outside of just escaping, killing themselves or killing their other and then holding hands? Or, I mean, like, I don't know. I guess the Bible quote ties into that with like, even though these people who we are murdering are, weeping onto us and trying to survive we're just going to kill them and then what like is that all there is mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> that well, sounded I, like a whole mess of words I, I think it is interesting that one that you mentioned the elizabeth moss scene because in a way the film almost did have its own get out of jail card like by if they didn't do the thing where the young boy controls his doppelganger and maybe one other scene that I'm thinking of, they could have explained a lot of this stuff just by leaning a little further into the idea of, of the underground people, you know, just doing an imitation of life above ground. Yeah. Like, like they have it in the movie. They just kind of, 
thing also contradicted because you get a really cool image out of it. And I'm not going to say like, yeah, the, the, the kid lighting himself on, on fire. Like that's just a, a gorgeous shot. Like 100%. Yeah. It's the I, most beautiful self immolation of a child that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but that is again, would, would watch again. that's a crowded category. Let me tell you. Which is why I keep going back to this idea that I think he's a better creator of lingering images than storytelling or like his like that there are limits there and it's just kind of something that I've accepted. But but that's what that's besides the point. I guess what I'm what I'm actually saying without getting into the cinema sins explanation style stuff is that those devices that Brian is talking about are are in the movie like I, I they're just not they're just only brought up at the end and in the middle like it's i i don't know I, did you did you kind of like glom onto those scenes at all in, in trying to find purchase in your own interpretation at all brian so here's here's my thing i i started watching this movie and i'm like okay all right I'm locked in. I know that things are going to be important. <laughs> I want to be able to pick up on all the references and stuff. And I've been looking forward to this movie since like I heard about it last year. And so it opens and there's the TV. And I'm like, haha, clever. Goonies and Chud are like next to the TV. And it's got a hands across America thing. So we're clearly locked in. And there's the boardwalk that they're going to go to. By the way, why did he pick Goonies? Like because, all of those were totally fine. Because they go the underground. Goonies. Yeah, but like there are plenty of things with underground stuff that that's ah, not Jesus, the Goonies. Michael. Oh, would you rather he did the core? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, you know, then she then then that kind of is another clue that the that that red jumpsuit is the original above grounder because she says it's our time up there, mm-hmm. and that's a Goonies line. Um. So what was I going to say? So yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to these things and I'm, I am thinking of, and I am sorry for continuously bringing this television show up. I am thinking that this movie is going to pretty much be like the leftovers where something crazy happens and it's either like God or the universe or devils or magic. And it's not going to be explained, but it's going to be a very thematically rich allegory for something and so like when all the when she keeps talking about her like synchronicities that are happening i'm like ooh, super cool this is really weird i wonder what it's gonna be and and so i was you used the word glomming i i glommed on all over the place i was like (laughs) (laughs) i was glomming onto every frame of this movie i was like the blob i glommed onto so much but then when we start getting answers I was just like infuriated. I was just really pissed off because I was like, government cloning. That's what we're going to go for. Like, and, and, and the fact that how does, again, not to get into like cinema sense, which we've evoked so many times on this episode. Yeah. Because it's literally the worst thing to happen to film criticism and dialogue in ever. How does she know? the the origins of this world like how does how does she know why they were created how could she even begin to guess you know it's it's just uh it's just crazy uh, but so like the concrete she doesn't, then hmm 
She doesn't then. I, I, I'm not sure what you. Sorry. Well, continue, she's please. red. Red jumpsuit is staying there, and she's like, you know, we were created by the government. They were trying to control people, puppet wise, and you know, we weren't born with souls. And like, where's all that information coming from? Do you think that the movie would be better had it not tried to do as much explaining as it did? Yes, 100%. I was actually just about to say, the concrete information that we get only raises more questions and does nothing to answer the more pertinent, deeper questions that I had during the movie that I was having fun with. So, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. And so, yeah, but, like, but I think I think what what you're saying and what Michael is saying maybe is true as well is she gives concrete answers, but does she actually have those answers to give? If she doesn't, then why bring it up? I don't know. That's my because, issue. Because Winston Duke asks, and that's what the movie kind of is trying to. But she's not telling like, Winston Duke. She's standing in a classroom talking to the woman who just wants her son. Oh, back. oh you're t- you're talking about that sequence. Okay. Yes, I, I'm talking about the I earlier sequence where where we get all the information. No, when she initially. does the fairy tale, that is oh, like mwah, Chef's kiss, perfect for me. Like that's mm-hmm. like you know you have yeah. this creepy voiced woman. Just given this fairy tale, and you get all the backstory you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I heard you one go, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, it's yeah. true. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm just really I, happy so, that I was able to get one of those from someone as I said that. <laughs> well, so um, I mean, like, not to jump back into, I guess, the Twilight Zone life, but like there, I mean, there are episodes about like doubles in that show, and I think I mean, one of the movies that I keep weirdly thinking back to outside of just like Richard Kelly in general is actually uh, this one movie called Coherence. Yeah. Um, Yes. I love Coherence. Like Coherence is that like it's the same kind of like I'm going to go balls out ambitious and just doesn't actually bother to explain a (laughs) single thing that's happening. But it's all the more exciting and interesting because of it and i wish this movie had just not given a fuck about explaining anything and i the opposite of primer yeah <laughs> right yeah i mean like on the spectrum of awesomeness like if awesomeness is a weird parabola right and coherence is the we're not going to really explain shit but we're just going to say there's a comet you know yeah and primer yeah. is we're going to explain so much that it's going to be awesome because you're going to be like holy shit this movie is like right in the valley between those peaks where it's yes, like, we're it not truly the uncanny valley of explaining <laughs> and not explaining things. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. So, it's- so what you're saying is it saw both of those movies and did a ballet dance and then fucked up its leg and then got out and then was like, I'm here. And everybody was like, no, we don't want you. It, is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. It seems like it tried to be like, the perfect balancing act between not saying anything and saying too much. Sure. And instead it said nothing about what you too care much about and, too, little. and yeah. too much about what you didn't care about. Like, you know, I, I feel like I've already said it, but like, I don't need, I don't need the government thing there. I don't need any explanation for these people. And again, that final twist of her being a swapperoo is <laughs> what is <laughs> what they called it in the movie. too. <laughs> Swapperoo. Yeah, Red was standing there and she's like, I gave you the old swapperoo. So. (laughs) 
So, so what I'm what I'm basically trying to say, what I've been ranting about for so long is, I just feel like every time that I come up with a thing that this movie could mean, it involves me ignoring great swaths of this movie. Like if this movie is about a downtrodden underclass upon which we have all built our lives. And this is a, a read that I've read. It's like, you know, is it fair that all these people who didn't even know that there was like a soulless monotonous underclass beneath their very feet are getting murdered? Like they didn't do anything. It's like, well, you were a part of the system, so you're culpable. But then why have the Bible quote that says that God's doing it to you and he doesn't give a shit if you ask for help. Like, and if it is a God thing, then why bring the government into it? And like, why, why the rabbits? And why, why, like, why do you make it so that like, it's still a, a singular hero delivery story because Adelaide and Red are so deeply tied together that uh red was able to swap with adelaide as a as a child like it's there's too much going on and i don't feel like any of it hangs together and i still end up positive on the movie just because there were some fun moments in it but like the more i look into it the like the more i i just start to say like but like maybe i shouldn't be saying it's a good movie because I'm worried about the reads that people are going to get because they're not thinking about it enough, which makes me sound like a real douchebag. But like, so you're saying, you're saying that basically if people pull meaning from this movie, they're idiots. It's like the reason (laughs) it's like, I like the doors, you know, cause I think they've got some good hooks and like, you can snap your fingers to it. But I'm not going to tell a 13-year-old boy to listen to The Doors, because then he's going to think Jim Morrison is Jesus Christ. Like, I think that's my issue. I don't, I don't know. The, the, the Doors? That, that's the, that's the poll you're going with? Yeah, because I was trying to think of something that, like, has the veneer of meaning a lot, and has a kind of reptilian brain American thrill beauty. to it. How about that? But see, oh, even Jesus. American Beauty, like, is making a stupid point clearly you know like i needed something that was beautiful and obfuscated but i'm curious so one you know you you seem like you agree with me on a lot of this stuff but you're still net positive how i feel very positive about it i don't understand why um i I was gonna ask you to like explain yourself i don't think i can like Wait, wait, okay. We we gotta let Juan work his way through this. Like, what? That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> like, he well, doesn't have to do that on my. Well, no, I mean, I think, like, it is, I don't want to call it, like, a dumb movie, because I don't think it's a, or, I know, that's not true, I kind of think it's a dumb movie. <laughs> but I think it's dumb, a dumb, dumb movie with dumb. a lot of ideas that I think are really interesting. And I think the fact that I am so consistently interested in all of those ideas, even though they don't necessarily gel together, makes it a good overall experience, even while I'm sitting here trying desperately to dissect this movie in any capacity and kind of failing miserably. So you you draw a value from this kind of like, unknowable unexplainable pull that the movie has yes for you okay 
And like, I think that's why I keep going back to like Richard Kelly and like, I think like the box and Southland tales and like, even to some extent, Donnie Darko, even though I don't think it's as good as the other two, um, which is probably not the most popular opinion. <laughs> I was about to say, wow. Hot take. <laughs> yeah, I it is. I love that movie for some reason. I know. Yeah, but like, I think all of those movies and like which i think a lot of filmmakers who are kind of inspired by twilight zone uh are kind of generally it's a lot of really interesting ideas strung together in a really messy manner that don't always gel well but i can't help but be more interested in that than like movies that try to do one thing and like whether or not they succeed at that one thing like yeah sure it's fine but like i'd rather see like a really interestingly fun well-made movie that like goes for broke mm-hmm. Juan, i'm curious have you seen the movie enemy um yeah <laughs> <laughs> Good yes oh god yeah <laughs> which okay so enemy or us like which is more your thing like which do you think us. is the more oh, successful film oh my god us <laughs> i will 100 percent go for us no um, this is bananas and this is the only thing we're talking about now enemy is 100 percent better than us oh no, my the god best no scene of enemy objectively the best scene of enemy is when uh isabella rosalini basically asks him if he fucked himself and he <laughs> says he didn't and i was really it's like yes thank you isabella like isabella rosalini for asking the only important question right. anytime anytime a doppelganger <laughs> shows thinking. up in a movie the question must be asked so did you hit that <laughs> yeah and like object like i'm sorry winston duke wouldn't hit winston duke like come on what <laughs> come on <laughs> technically winston duke did hit winston duke with this a baseball is, bat this is not the conversation i thought we would be having about <laughs> i would movie. not mind being hit with winston duke's baseball bat but i'm not going to <laughs> and i already said it out loud but it's fine oh uh, man uh, i know what the pull quote for this episode is gonna be <laughs> there's um, probably a pun that with limp we're missing here you know <laughs> <laughs> so let me here's, let me ask a question well now hold on I, I brought up enemy for a reason i just need to get this out so like enemy to me is the perfect explanation not explanation movie because like y- you can at the end of that movie have very clear ideas of what's going on yeah and, but it sucks and no, <laughs> michael first of all i don't think we've ever talked about enemy before and i hate you more than ever now <laughs> enemy is a great movie um I, and I think that the twist ending of anime, which we're not going to spoil, um, is the kind of insanity that enhances the movie. Whereas the twist at the end of this movie, again, just makes me angry. And so that's why I asked. I was curious if you had a similar intellectual like hunger after seeing anime as you did after seeing us. Um, I was... I was very angry at the end of Enemy, uh, mostly because I had to sit through Enemy. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> I don't hate it. I just I don't care for it. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, Bill Graham, what were you going to say? I was going to ask about Twilight and you know Peel's history with short films and making shorts, and that's that's kind of his background. And I'm curious if most of Twilight Zone was 30 minutes or right around that mark and things like that. And so maybe that's like, 
I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about one Twilight Zone episode where they basically have a plane that flies through, it hits some turbulence at some point, and then all of a sudden they're in the land before time. They're in a world with dinosaurs and all this other shit. Mm. And that the episode doesn't even like bother at all explaining that. And it's just like, here's, here's my premise. Like, let's have fun with that. And basically that the creators got together in a writer's room and were like, what do we want to have fun with? Like, what do we want to go explore? And they didn't worry about like the mechanisms to get there that much. They just worried about let's have fun exploring that theme and that idea. And I'm curious if like most of the Twilight Zone episodes, like y'all are talking about them. I've, I think I've maybe like watched one. What? Ever? Bill, they're on Netflix. I don't know. Also, they're literally like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. (laughs) Also, as a child, like I just would accidentally see the Twilight Zone all the time. Like every, every national holidays, the sci-fi channel would be like, Guess what? 24 hours of Twilight Zone. <laughs> I don't know. I, my, my parents didn't really like like allow me slash like sit me down to watch that kind of stuff. Like I, I also skipped X-Files. I think I was just a tad bit too young for that as well. And so like Star Trek with uh, with uh, what's his face? Uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Like I didn't watch that. Like there's there's a lot of things that just kind of m- narrowly missed me. Uh, when I was growing up because I was fucking, I guess, outside too much. I don't know. Like, I don't want to make some <laughs> like slam on excuse. us. I, but like, yeah, I, I Bill is out getting sport. laid while the rest of us were watching television. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, um, but I'm curious if most of the Twilight Zone episodes are like 30 minutes or less or are they hour long? Like, Excellent they question. They were 30 minutes um yeah. it was standard network tv there was one season i think that they did hour long uh-huh. i think it's season four and okay. it was not great because those stories because, yes very and, and rarely that's... could handle that much and 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 you you know the 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 episode that you reference about the plane is one of the ones where they're just like this is just kooky and fun and we're just gonna do that mm-hmm. there were other ones where they explain stuff other ones that very clearly were just meant for metaphor a lot of exposition and dialogue to uh, like without actually like I'm thinking of the the train station one, which mm-hmm. feels like was definitely influenced or definitely influenced us. There's often so- a very severe white man in a uniform of some kind going <laughs> like, you know, according to the reading, this is what we're picking up now is and, <laughs> and then someone else would be like, my God, do you realize what that means? Yes. Yes, I do. And then stuff would happen. Yeah. Um. And so I think all of that kind of plays into this idea of maybe Jordan Peele is better as an idea guy, which would kind of go along with what you're thinking, Michael, um, without kind of putting words in your mouth, hopefully, um, that he's just better at the, at the ideas and maybe not necessarily the execution to get those ideas and make them fully rounded and make them fully like make sense. Although I, I would go to bat for get out quite a bit in that regard. Uh, this film completely less so, (laughs) but, um, you know, I think, I think, the other thing to think about here is that 
Peel was doing an interview and he was talking about the fear of the doppelganger and the fear of the other and how that's something that he has kind of grown up with and that like that idea I was listening to another podcast where they were like, that fear is like maybe like at the bottom of the hundred list. Like I got a hundred other things that I fear much more than like seeing someone that looks like me or maybe acts like me or whatever. For instance, quicksand. Yeah, sure. Like why does that exist? I don't know, but (laughs) you know, it's a nightmare. Uh, But yeah, so like there's, there's something to be said that like, I guess this is an inherent fear that that uh, Jordan Peele has, and that's what he put up on screen. Where, like, how much does he have to explain why there's doppelgangers and things like that? I guess maybe he went a little bit above above and beyond to try and explain that away. But I think at the center of it, the idea is. I fear the other and what does the other even mean? Maybe it means there's literally someone below ground that like does everything that I do is a mirror image, but is soulless and doesn't have like its own life or, you know, maybe fucking aliens and government and weird shit like that. And and as Brian has continuously pointed out rabbits, that's what I'm going to leave y'all with. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, Bill, I mean, I, I think there is something to be said for the too many ideas thing, but I think it's interesting, too, because as a filmmaker, I think he's really made leaps, like even from um, Get Out, which is, you know, a, a nice looking film. But I mean, if you really want to break it down into grammar or, or whatever, it's a it's a relatively simple, simple film. And, and this this is something that just feels so much more dense. It just feels like he's working with so many different forces here. We've already talked talked about, you know, that kind of uh, not nebulous but uh, ineffable sense of like pull that this movie has. And I think that's what's so weird is that he is able to achieve that. But I don't really think he's a great storyteller. And it's so weird because I think that there are a lot of people who are great storytellers and never find that pull and that certain like magic that can come. Like it's weird. Like it's weird to me that the scene, for instance, that I keep coming back to in this movie is not really related to anything. But it's Elizabeth Moss crawling towards uh, Tim Heidecker on the floor and just the way that the camera like slowly – slowly moves back as she's crawling towards the camera. And for some reason, it was just like a a really just poignant, like really harsh scene to me. Like I I, I find myself, and especially rewatching Get Out today, the way that he shoots violence is so, um, it's so primal. Like it's so, uh, there's terror to it. It, It's not Mm -hmm. a sense of gratuitousness. And and it's, it's just so, it's so emotional in, in a way that I feel like so much horror misses. So I think that's why I perhaps give some of these things extra leeway because it's those moments I don't get in so many other things that, you know, I'm willing to, uh, you know, give things a break. And then in referring to like the fear of the other, I, I do think that's, 
I do think that's interesting, like especially when this film plays with that, when it kind of does, you know, the home invasion thriller type thing. Um, but like I, I think then that gets weird too for reasons that we've kind of spent a long time talking about in the sense that um, – he took something Those, simple and made it made it so fucking complicated. It, it, exactly. Like that that fear is by the time that the scope is that the entire, you know, whether it's just California or what it is, like at, at that point, you totally lose any sense of individual fear. And I will say it was really weird having only seen like one trailer on which, by the way, the trailer's really good for this, yeah, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, yeah. It doesn't spoil anything. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I said, like the fact that, that this is not just them that's being terrorized, um, that it so- sort of like pulls out and all of a sudden you realize like, <laughs> you know, this whole fucking neighborhood, I guess, or whatever, this whole city sure. has been just overtaken and you're just like, holy fuck. And the other thing is – is like you just you just kind of end up being like okay you dumb dumbs like did nobody else run away from their doppelganger like jesus like y'all are batting like 99 percent here at this point it's like damn somebody fight back (laughs) y'all bad y'all bad (laughs) i mean would we so not to not to even try to give it more logic but like is it because of the fact that Lupita was the only one who had that level of control over her family versus everyone else who was just kind of like free for all. I'm going to kill whoever comes in my way and like no questions asked, but because of the fact that she had that restraint mm-hmm. over those people. Plus she wanted, like she said when she was smashing her face into the glass, just like, uh, you know, I want to take my time with this. Right. Mm. Yeah. My, um, my issue with that, though, is that we see, because I can't remember their names, the white family get murdered by their <laughs> doppelgangers. So those people definitely had to come from somewhere and then, like, coordinate their attack, you know? That's true. But it was so quick and, like, nobody cared about, like, <clears throat> yeah, they, they it didn't. La- there was no yeah. purpose. Right, but it wasn't. Yeah, they didn't, it wasn't they didn't uh, talk. They didn't say anything because that's the other or the question is, can any of these other people talk at all? Or is it, does it not is all so. the. Yeah, is all of their communication because because that's the other reason why when you first hear y'all keep calling her Red, I don't know why because she's definitely Adelaide, but because she whatever. the one who spent the most time as Adelaide becomes Adelaide. Y- yes, that's why I keep um, trying to get us to say white shirt and red jumpsuit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, the the character that's playing Red when she first talks, that's why her voice is so fucking broken and harsh is because she hasn't been talking because she doesn't need no, to it's talk because she like, got yeah. strangled as a child oh oh i didn't read that like that's some like that's some jupiter ascending level like you got <laughs> strangled and now you need a thing like a voice box i, I didn't was, think i'm about sorry I wait, can just... we go back to why that's a jupiter ascending thing 
Well, like when Eddie Redmayne yeah. gets choked uh, by, um... and that's why he talks. Like yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's that was his like aesthetic choice. That was well. literally like the first thing I thought of the second you said she talked like that because she was choked. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I forgot that that was the. I thought that was just Eddie Redmayne's acting choice. I forgot that it was because like Kane Wise had like bitten him or something. No, see, see, Jupiter Ascending has more logic to it. <laughs> there was that's... planning there <laughs> okay see i legitimately think that it, it's because she got choked as a child i don't think it has anything to do with her being because she could still talk to herself you know she I, could tom hanks I feel it. like when you are stuck in that kind of situation where like no one around you can physically speak and you are at such a young age where like that doesn't properly develop and you never hear yep. anyone speaking yep. i don't yep. like like that's where my idea like that's yeah I don't know, because my daughter's two and a half, and if she's in the room and no one's in there with her, she'll just talk to herself. Like, and you know, yeah, you, but like I'm in the car and no one can hear me, but I'm talking to myself and I'm like just pissed off at the traffic. I legitimately don't think that her voice <laughs> is fucked up because of lack of use. I think it's lack of use, okay. and I, I think I think it's very, well. very clearly <laughs> lack of use. No, I think it's very clearly <laughs> that she got choked out. I mean, I think it's very clearly none of these answers, but. I think it's the government. It's the fluoride in the water. It is the fluoride in the water. And the uh, the earth is flat. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. This is, again, this is the problem. Like, does it matter why she can't? Like, is, is her voice, like, choked because of violence or because of, like, lack of external communication? And, like, what does that mean? Like, maybe that's talking about, like, why the underclass has to have a violent revolt because they were robbed of their voices through violence and through people not listening to them. Like there's, there's so many options, but I just keep getting hung up on the fact that like, we know that the government apparently cloned almost all of America. (laughs) And, and then instead of like killing them all, they were just like, Hey, you know, Frank, the, the, the program's over. Trump's in the White House. He cut funding. Oh, shit. All right. Like, uh, do we just leave? It's like, well, yeah, I stopped getting paid five minutes ago. I'm not about to take care of these assholes. They can fend for themselves. I like, I don't know. Like, it's like my brain hurts trying to come up with defenses for and reads of this movie. You know what we should maybe do? No. Tell me. Maybe we should like talk about a few scenes in the movie we actually liked or disliked. I did. Because we have talked about so few scenes in this actual movie. <laughs> We've talked about ideas very yes. broadly. <laughs> I don't know. Like, all right. So like, what's the scene that you liked, Michael? What's your best? What's your favorite scene in this movie? I actually think the sequence in the, uh, the white people's mansion is gangbusters. <laughs> Really? Like that all felt- of that with Ophelia playing in the background. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. That just felt I, like I enjoyed incredibly that. cruel to me. Why? I enjoyed it. Also, I- like they were just so terrible that it was really weird. Like what? Like I guess it's because they were raised poorly. But the twins come out, and her mom's like, "Go back to bed," and they're like, "Just because we were in a room doesn't mean we were sleeping." It's like, come we're on, don't teenagers. be teenagers. Don't be a dick. Brian. Just wait yeah, until you have teenagers. <laughs> and two of them. <laughs> Just gotta wait another 12 years. L- lucky you. <sighs> um, I don't know. No, it just, I, I enjoyed it, that it scene. It did? Like, it felt weirdly like... 
more cruel than than anything else in the movie. It seemed like it was having too much fun killing them. Oh, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, then. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I will say it's something interesting is, um I mean, we were talking about like the violence in the movie earlier, and I do find it interesting that the violence typically happens off screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except like, for the I white think, family. Yeah, no, but even the white people, I feel like was like, like, yeah, she got hit in the head and like fell off the thing, but it was like kind of happening like off to the side. Like mm-hmm. there was never any like, you well, didn't when, see when like she, the golf club hitting. No, her you watched like, the when, when the two she, twins get stabbed in the throat. Her, That's true. And then you watch <laughs> Elizabeth. The camera, the camera, quick, quick cuts away from it. Yeah. The same thing when she gets her throat slit. Ultimately, like we see the blood splatter, but we don't actually see the actual act itself, and we yeah. don't see her like bleeding out from that. We see a lot of the aftermath, but. Like he does a lot of like really interesting quick cutting to the point where it's almost like he was thinking maybe he could get away with a PG thirteen rating on this movie, but it's just like nah. Like I don't think I don't think you know th- this is another Blumhouse movie. Like th- they definitely weren't shooting for that at all. But that's the way the quick cutting kind of almost happens is. It doesn't let you as the audience enjoy that violence in the way that's so visceral that like a lot of like these uh other slasher movies Yeah, do. Like like the slasher movies often well in the middle, I would say originally, you know, you look at Halloween or things like that and and it was a quick cut. You know, it, it cut away. You didn't actually see a lot of the violence in those films. You saw some of the aftermath, but that was it. And, you but know, things like the strangers, like yeah. that would be something that parts of this movie feels like. And that's that absolutely shows the violence and rebels. And I actually really like that movie, but whatever. Yeah, the strangers uh, is great. Yeah. But yeah, I, but yeah, I, Bill, I, I see what you're saying. No, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, uh, but oh, I, no. yeah. I completely agree. And so I think, I think there's, there's something to be said. Like, yes, it, it is, it is a very violent movie. And yes, it does show violence in, in kind of graphic ways, but it's, it's not as violent as you actually end up thinking it is. You know, it's, it's the classic psycho thing where people were freaking the fuck out. And it's like, did you actually see like any violence? And people are like, yeah, yeah, I did. And it's like, Okay, well, watch it again, and then tell me where the violence happens. And people the are like, "Juice going oh. down the shower." <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's one of those classic things where it just quick cuts away from what you're actually seeing, and it doesn't actually end up reveling in it. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, it's withholding in a way that makes it more impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because the violence that it's portraying is fucking brutal. Like people are getting smashed with fucking. I thought I thought one of my favorite things is that they use a putter, and I was like, "Are you yeah. fucking kidding me right now?" Like a putter. <laughs> like you always think of the driver. You always think of maybe an iron or something like that. But they're using a putter, and I was just like, "This is fun." Like he's he's having fun here because she could have picked up any club, but you know the putter is is where 
people make their money, so that's the one he's going to be practicing <laughs> with. So that's why he has it out just in a random area because he's probably yeah, got he's a not going to be driving putting. in his living room. Yeah, yeah, he's got a putting green somewhere in there. He could do he's chips though. He could use like a sandwich. Uh, you know, but yeah, so it's like, yeah, of course he's going to have a putter out, and then and then she uses a fucking putter to kill people, and you're just like, this is ridiculous. I love this movie. <laughs> I, I love the boy picking up the sculpture, too, and she, like, looks and is like, really? That's what you went to with? Right, you're right by yeah, the kitchen. The, you the, could get a the knife. amethyst crystal? Like, she's yes. <laughs> Someone, oh. someone called that that uh, that that's a very obvious like uh, uh, what what is it the uh, the house renting thing? I can't, why can't I think of the name of it? It's like uh, it's like yeah. It, she said it's it's a very Airbnb like uh, focal point that like a lot of like houses when they're trying to make things like look a little bit more upscale, they'll put shit like that all over the place. Where you're just like, really, you own that? Like. Who the fuck owns that? Right, when you're staging a house to sell it. All right, so Juan, yeah. what was your favorite scene? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, I mean, every single one of uh, Winston Duke's dad jokes and also his thighs. Um, but <laughs> When uh, he dabs, that was great. Oh, when he dabs is so good. But I think, uh, I mean, I will... You get will... some thirst shots of him, too, on the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> on the bed is just, whoa. That what? destroyed me um, in every way. <laughs> I like. I genuinely think that he is my dream uh, husband. But uh, I think like the boat, both of the boat instances with him, and like even with a uh, like with him and his doppelganger, and also with him and Tim Heidecker's doppelganger, I think are so good and fun, and just like watching him like you think you know like oh the guy's gonna like fall off the boat, he's gonna get attacked, and then you know like oh no like he's being driven away with it and then just the murder on the boat is so good too because uh, you just mm-hmm. think like oh he'll fall back whatever but no he just <laughs> gets wrecked by the goddamn motor <laughs> or not the motor of uh, the oh jesus um prop. wow i clearly don't know anything about boats the propeller propeller yeah, thank you that, yeah <laughs> jesus uh what's a boat i don't know I haven't the been thing on the back that just did like burn it's you know yeah. we're living near a beach i can't i can't like <laughs> did you um, guys see tim heidecker's boat name by the way yes yes <laughs> oh yeah wait well it was like biatch or something yeah but it's spelled with uh, a yacht yes yes b-y-a-c tim heidecker's like fake going to like help her up and then doing like <laughs> i there's so many dumb jokes in this movie that are just so see, good okay so yeah. that was weird for me because i'm like does he how does he know to do that like no what? don't do that brian don't i fucking that. have to if <laughs> i'm gonna make sense of what this movie's trying to say i have to try to understand these things no no it's a perfect moment don't but don't it, don't shine the light don't shine the light in it's it a, it like the 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 weird Heidecker and the weird Moss have these weird echoes of humanity that seem really cool, but then you remember that like after murdering their people, they should be going to get in line. Eh, I think I think they're fucking weird because they're they're like protagonists are weird. are weird. Yeah, yeah, their humans are weird, and so yeah. they've picked up on like their quirks. But and aren't fucking, every like, isn't every attitudes. human weird? Like, isn't that ah! that's what 
you know, funny people, some are, people are followers, people. some people aren't. Jeremiah 1111's <laughs> freaking doppelganger stabbed him a day early and then went and stood on the beach, <laughs> dripping blood, waiting for everyone waiting. else to get their shit together. Maybe they were normies, Brian. Come on. You <laughs> think the crazy man who has spent 30 no, years no, 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 at the, the beach holding people. a sign is a normie? No, but Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker? It, it's, but you seriously. just said that the reason that their doppelgangers are weird is because they were weird. Oh, I didn't say that. Can you feel my frustration right now? <laughs> I just wanted to make a normie joke. <laughs> Why did Sign Dude it, it doesn't get have stabbed to make early? Sense. He just wanted to make them funny. He just wanted to make them funny. He made them funny. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I think I think my favorite sequence is hmm what is my favorite sequence i don't know i really like when uh she takes off running and you're just like yes she was born for this and then you're like oh no the other one is born for it too because she's probably been (laughs) fucking running up and down those halls and just like getting her laps in you're just like ah jesus christ what is this movie Well, the other one's definitely more agile because she has to turn more because she runs and hits a wall and then <laughs> runs. And, probably, yeah. probably. She's good at wind sprints. I just want to say that image too is fantastic. The d- just seeing everyone copying. I guess the split eye diopter is what we were talking about, but yeah, just with the uh, amusement park county fair area mm-hmm. and below, really- and yeah, just seeing them mimic everything. That was just really smart. Yeah, I, yes, Brian, it doesn't make sense, blah, 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 blah. But it's a good <laughs> image, and that's what I care about. Gee, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for giving me well, that. I love I love that the mirror images, like, they they not only are wearing similar clothing, but their similar clothing is so just, like, slightly off. Like, the Thriller shirt that, that uh, Adelaide is, or Red is originally wearing. Like, when you look at it, you're like, oh, it kind of says thriller but it's like it doesn't quite yeah yeah and the other thing that i noticed was uh black flag apparently is like a band that was really like kept popping up because i think one of the twins is wearing it yeah one of the asshole twins is wearing it Rather I know. I said part. punk. I said punk. You said and it wrong the first time I had to yell at you. The the guy at the at the what is it? I guess the the funhouse booth or whatever those things are called. Like he's wearing a black flag shirt, and I was just like, man, someone's uh someone's into black flag. Well, you know, because <laughs> punk is underground. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, did you know that the thriller shirt was actually number eleven? <gasps> Fun oh, fact. Wow. Oh, right. That was the uh, the thing. That was the prize number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know that the <laughs> L's in Thriller also look like an 11? Wow. <laughs> Is this going to turn into like the number 23? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. Every <laughs> once in a while, I decide to watch the number 23. Wait, why? Because it's so it fucking times? stupid. I like have uh, a weird love of Jerry Bruckheimer, and I remember being excited for that movie because like I... I'm the type of person who looks for like number things like that. And then I was like, that movie's, you want to talk about a dumbass twist. Like that's a real fucking stupid movie. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> anyway, welcome I to the new podcast. It's, it. God. <laughs> it's on the number 23. Um, uh, do they link it to 9-11 in any way? Probably. Uh, there's definitely a point at which like 9-11 turns into 23. Yeah. I, I don't quite know how they did that, but okay. <laughs> well, you divide it and then you <clears throat> multiply it by 3.95. And then if you look that number up on a Tuesday, sometimes it looks like 23. Oh, I oh, think it was like three digits. No, no, it's nine, two, nine, eleven, <laughs> nine, eleven, two thousand and one. <laughs> is like if you add all those numbers up, it's twenty three or something. <laughs> Should we probably end this? Is probably. This yeah, I don't have a favorite scene anymore. I feel like I've lost. Oh my god! My ability. <laughs> I don't know, like, because here's the thing, like, every time I want to say, like, this is my favorite scene, like, I love the two of them fighting, like, with the, 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 whatever you want to call it, the rearrangement of I've got five on it playing, Mm -hmm. like, that's Mm -hmm. super cool, but, like, I don't know what the fuck it means, and I don't think it means anything, (laughs) and so it's, like, a really interesting shot and a really interesting moment, and, like, I felt something happening, but, like, what <laughs> this is gonna be fun when you rewatch this and it's gonna be in like your top five <laughs> i will definitely have to rewatch this soon it's not gonna be while it's in theaters because i just don't have the time or the money for that but like when it comes out i will rent it i will watch it and like I, even my review after i like don't i don't tear it apart like i said i still give it a vaguely positive review and it it gets like the, the tomato from me but i even like have a whole paragraph where i'm like all of my complaints may fall apart on a second viewing. Like, you know, I think they're all going to be even more <laughs> pronounced. You're just possibly going to like it more. I, that's what, that's the craziest <laughs> thing is that you're like, I saw it a second time. All the problems remain. Love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like if I went to a restaurant, I got food poisoning and I was like, well, you know, maybe it's not fair. Maybe I should go again. And you're like, no, 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 I've gone twice. I got food poisoning each time. Still love it. Tell everyone to go there. Yeah, but the meal was really good. The meal it was looked so fucking good. amazing. The presentation is really so good, good, but there were pieces of glass in it, and then I spent all night vomiting. It's like, well, but the well, plating is really good, you know? And the sauce, ah. Yeah, but within this metaphor, you pick the glass out, and then it's a perfect meal. I can't pick the glass out <laughs> until it comes yeah. out on DVD, and I can skip over the parts or mute them. <laughs> Uh, anyway (laughs) this analogy has gone off the rails um so yes us is out in theaters now thank you for listening to this whole episode i'm confused as to why you did it but we're always happy to have you and uh one thank you for agreeing to be a part of this (laughs) thank you for having me i please anytime you have another movie that's just a clusterfuck (laughs) of ideas i would love to be here to process that you want to come on to talk about dumbo because i'm pretty sure that movie is also going to be just way too many thoughts and themes (laughs) very possible (laughs) you're going to be our resident I don't know, like, what let's, the shit is this movie about? Let's cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Juan, you can come on for a good movie if you'd like as well. I mean, this, this is, is a not good a bad movie. movie. No, I, you know what I meant. <laughs> oh, we, lost, we lost Bill. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Should we just tell him it's fine that we're, we're, we're done anyway and we're just wrapping up? He did lost connection, drug hands, so. <laughs> <laughs> what if he was untethered? 
<laughs> Bill became untethered. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, we may get Bill back in order in time for him to Hello. Get, hey, there he is. Yep. Is this the real Bill or is this Red Bill? Shadow Bill. <laughs> I can't say. That's that was pretty good. That's pretty good. That was pretty good tethered voice. I can't lie. <laughs> Now, the thank real you, question is, you. is that because you hadn't talked to anyone in 20 seconds, or is it because someone choked you? <laughs> oh, because no, my okay. connection got choked off. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, it's over. Uh, us is out in theaters now. Do go check it out. If you feel like you have a read on us that is unassailable, email <laughs> yeah. us at podcastatthefilmstage.com. I don't want to read that. Only unassailable. <laughs> right. If I can assail it, I don't want to read it. Anyway, uh, remember what Brian said. He didn't like the handshake moment because he couldn't get past. How does he know how to do that? So just keep that in mind. If you if you send in an email, someone had to teach him how low to or to down low too slow. And I don't know who it was. Um, Anyway, (laughs) yes. So. That's it. Uh, Let's remind all of our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash film state show and give us your money. Uh, if you'd like a free 30-day subscription to movie, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, a movie on there gave Michael nightmares. So if you want to either have those same nightmares or prove that you are a stronger man than Michael. I mean, they were fun nightmares. What the shit is a fun nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a stress nightmare, which I regularly have. So this is better than that. I dreamed that I was being attacked by a giant ice cream cone, but then I ate it. <laughs> you know that would still be scary <laughs> so i just lost connection and then got back on again so let me <laughs> let me sign off so i i don't get dropped again all right tell all everyone right. where you can be found between now and the next time bill uh i can definitely be found trying to track down that remix of uh, i got five on it and also that's a great fucking song i didn't really realize that until the trailer came out and then i listened to it like 20 times and i was like i like this song this is good so yeah that's where you can find me on twitter at cable bfg uh do not spell that name backwards because then you will get the alternate universe me and nobody wants that that guy's a dick (laughs) Um, yeah uh (laughs) You can also find me on the Slack channel, mixing it up. Uh, man, there's a lot of conversation going on on there. Uh, our us channel is uh, fucking fire. It it exploded. Jesus Christ, that's, <laughs> that's fun. So, all right. Um, I am shocked that there has not been like a four page slash film article about like why I've got five on it is what they chose for this movie. Do do not put that into the world. <laughs> It's happening. Yeah, that's really it's- a dangerous. All my memories of that song are from college and are involved with a single thing. <laughs> so every time I hear Michael, that song, what's that now, thing? I don't know, Brian. What's it's the not thing, legal Michael? in my state. It's not legal in my state. So shut up. <laughs> it's not legal in your state. Oh, I thought you were talking about having sex. You're talking about smoking no. weed. Yeah, duh. <laughs> that would be a, a weird sex song. You know what? All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Someone else go. One, do you think that's a weird sex song? Uh, a little, yeah. All right. That's fine. <laughs> why, don't you, uh, why don't you tell the people where you can be found between now and whenever you're on here again to talk about another obscure movie that might not make any sense? 
Oh, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I can be found uh, on dimthehouselights.com, which is a site that my friend and uh, partner Derek Godon and I run, and um, uh, flamingclassics.com, although I don't really write there much. And then obviously on Twitter, uh, which is where the whole world goes to burn on ideas about what us means at uh w-o-a-h it's juanito um i always feel like i need to specify the spelling of woe because there are too many different ways of doing it right i've never actually seen it w-o-a-h it's always w-h well 15 year old me kind of ruined that for myself so (laughs) i read it like um al pacino like whoa it's juanito Dunkachino. That is the new way I'm going to start saying my own <laughs> username. Whoa, it's Juanito. Yes. Sweet. All right. I'm glad I could put that into the world. Um, Michael Snydell. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell. And um, oh, yeah. Literally, last time I'm going to plug this, I swear to God. Uh, interview with Kent Jones coming this week. Uh, Diane's really good. It's coming out this week. Uh, stars Mary Kay Place, and she's just fantastic in it. It's a great uh, scene where she sings about Dylan's song. Um, and uh, I've been letterboxed. I've been like writing a few thoughts about things, so that's fun. Probably movies. Uh, and yeah, that's where you can find me these days. All right, and of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, Instagram at Brian J. Rowan, Letterboxd at Brian J. Rowan. There's clearly a pattern developing. Um, what else? Uh, don't forget to listen to our review of Dragged Across Concrete, which you can find on this feed, including uh, my interview with S. Craig Zoller. Also, my review of Us is up on thefilmstage.com if you want to hear some coherent thoughts on the movie. And yes, I will be reviewing reviewing Dumbo so look for that this week <laughs> just gonna plug the shit out of my Dumbo review before it's let's even been get ready to Dumbo god damn it anyway that's it uh, we'll be back next week when we'll be talking about something ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for enduring this experience with us tune in next time someone like me can learn to be like someone like you